So welcome. We're here, Ward Wrestling Live. Once again, I've got two amazing, one's an amazing wrestler, one's an amazing wrestling mind, and uh, we've got them here today. I, I had the honor of meeting Miss Carolyn Wester of Wrestling Prep. Uh, she's an American kickboxing coach. She's cornered and trained many UFC fighters. She has several national champs, Super 32 champs, high school champs, and uh, her coaching style is really, really amazing. Uh, I got a chance to go on to the site and kind of read about what she does and, and her mind is amazing. And then we have one of her, her young students here who is Andrew Morgan. Uh, he's a SOCON champ. He's a three-time California state placer, which is very difficult to do. He's a COVID All-American, an academic All-American. And uh, he's, uh, he's working his way up. He's training for the US Open right now and he's wrestling. Sure. Uh, for the great Scotty Sentis over there at Campbell. But welcome to both of you. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm sure I could have given you guys more accolades, but at some point, we got to It's an honor to have you on. <laughs> I did a little bit of research. You know, I had to do something just to kind of get to know you guys a little bit. Um, especially, Carolyn, I, I saw some cool videos. I know you sent me some. And then when I type in your name, you can see you yelling in like the UFC corner at the cage and screaming at the rest of the do what you want them to do. And, uh, and then of course you sent me that great video of, of Andrew getting ready for the U S open, but um, you know, thanks guys. I do appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you having this show and giving an opportunity for people <clears throat> to discuss wrestling because it, it is truly the most incredible sport available for any person of any gender and of any body type. Cause there's no pre, genetic disposition for wrestling. And the fact that you can move 17 times in 10 seconds, so 600 plus movements in a match allows for young people to realize that it can never be perfect. And yeah, you can't put anybody yeah. else, you can't stall. And we need more people doing shows like yours that let people talk about it, not just celebrate all the great victories that people have, which are should be celebrated, but to help people understand why they should put the time money, effort, and blood, sweat, and tears into wrestling. In my yeah, and it, it was really fun, you know, before we get into, you know, Andrew's story and stuff and, and, and start doing that, I, I met you at the GFC this week and we were waiting in that, in the line the first day, I think it was kind of a little, a little messy. They were kind of getting themselves together, but we got in line there and, and it was pretty cool. We just started sh shooting the shit and talking and having fun. And, um, and we shared numbers and here we are, but uh, you, you had, I mean, you brought one, two, three, four, five, six, seven with you from wrestling prep. Uh, you bought, you brought a girl with you that not only did she place in the girls 19 U, she placed in the boys 13 U as well. So that's, that's major. That's awesome. Uh, you had a couple placers there, one third, one eighth, but you had Bafiatis, right? Who, who placed Great. in the elite. Yeah, he's uh, he's a member of Virginia Predator, but I am as his ancillary coach. And uh, as his father said, this introduced me to people. This is one of Nick's coaches, but he trains with us on the regular. Drew and I have worked with him for a while. And yeah, you had a couple other guys. Yeah, Dylan Cohn from Florida, even though he hasn't been to camp the last two years. I think he spent four or five summers with us, his older brother, the anybody from Gilroy, you know, the chances, Jane Gomez, I've got all the black male pictures of him as a child. And um, <laughs> and all those kids, you know, all of them I've, I've worked with or known a very long time because wrestling prep has always been inclusive. We would allow anybody from, it's why it's called nonpartisan, 
with nonpartisan wrestling because we don't, you don't have to be a part of a certain program. You don't have to be part of a certain anything to participate. And we are very low cost and endeavor to do things at low cost or no cost whenever we can and allow and everyone. Happy audience. What a great kid. I had him on my show. I saw um, him. He's great. He was in a grind of a bracket. That 152, I would think that 152 and 125 was probably the deepest in elite. Would you say so? Well, I, I thought Nick's bracket was extremely hard. And, you know, I was I was concerned that we were going to be banging it up. I thought maybe Henry Porter from Gilroy would end up going 152. But it would be it would be hard. But I think what's really the hardest at this point is that a lot of the rankings are skewed based on people's performances in 2019. And then on top of it, there's been no no Fargo, nothing to separate people out. So I think kids are feeling pressure to perform a certain way in order to affect their recruiting since there's so limited tournaments. And it makes it more of a grind that there's more pressure. We don't know when the next the next real tournament's gonna be or you know, is it really gonna occur or not occur. So that made me really, really struggle. I thought the 170 bracket that Enzo Merlacci was in, who I cornered, was also very hard. And um, I was Yeah, super we had a kid, Ty Lukens, in that bracket that um, uh, we got to see him and Bartel wrestle twice, uh, which would probably be a preview of our 2A championship, I think 2A. But, um, you know, it's the best wrestling that I've ever watched live. So it's the biggest tournament that I've ever been to. I mean, I've been to our state tournament. Um, but this is more, this was the country showing up and it was pretty cool to see through COVID that our country stepped up and said, Hey, we're coming and we're bringing it. And I mean, there were brackets 50, 60 deep and it was fun. Were you there, Andrew? No, I wasn't. I was pretty much stuck in our Campbell bubble, you know, uh, training and everything. So I was just kind of focused on the, the U S open coming up. Oh, good what I you. think is imperative about the, uh, the grappler is that in preseason, many kids train and they finish up their high school season, do some folk style and freestyle, and then they endeavor to get better in the summer, but there's no way to ascertain if what they've learned has become ingrained. So having these preseason tournaments, which normally for us is, a lot of kids go to the Grappler, we go to Journeyman Classic, Super 32, and sometimes there used to be a tournament that Intermat had called the JJ Classic. I think it's called the Intermat Classic that we used to go to in Minnesota. But we want to make sure by the end of the preseason, all the kids have ascertained what's working for them and how it's going to be competitive and what we're going to do about their recruiting. So what are the things we want to try to control during the high school season that's going to lay them in a better light so they can endeavor to go to go to a good school? Drew was very successful at Super 32. He uh, was an NHSCA All-American. He was a Flow National All-American. And we did both preseason and postseason, which greatly helped his recruiting because he always, was it Anthony or Zaid you used to hit? Anthony. Both actually in California. Yeah. I, was, I was 70 and 82, so I wrestled them both my senior year. Right, so for me, the, I think the hardest preseason tournament is always Super 32 in a non-COVID year. But you know who knows this year, the grappler may turn out to be the hardest tournament of all. And then Journeyman's supposed to go off in two weekends. So that's, uh, that's a whole different situation because it's a round robin tournament. And you have to be a state champ to be in the main event or there's a lot of criteria. So it's a, it's like fight club. You get there on a Sunday afternoon and you bang it out five, six matches and you really, it's tough and quick. And then you're really ready for super 32. And then that's when recruiting begins. Dylan Cohn said to me, I asked him if he knew where he was going to school yet. And he said, I want to see how I do it. Super 32. Cause it'll. Yeah, I, do, uh, I, 
at the beginning of this process, I had Coach Duck on, and then I uh, he sent me Brettley Reyna, and um, which is his son. And Brettley uh, was was he was already being recruited pretty pretty well, right? But when he went to 32 and made that run last year and won it, he said that it was the the world opened up for him, you know. And uh, now he's going to Iowa, and the rest is history. But um, but he did. He said uh, I was already being recruited well, but when I made that run, it really changed everything. Yes, so, I was right there when he. I was right there at the mat when he when he won that match. Pretty cool. So, I may have um, been the other kid. <laughs> I may have been coaching the other kid. Well, yeah, it's pretty cool. It was fun to watch you coach, um, um, Coach Wester, because I, I was sitting there one match watching you and listening to you. And where, you know, a lot of coaches are screaming or yelling or dramatic or whatever they're, they're doing, it was fun to listen to you because, and Andrew, you could probably uh, oh, understand this because she wasn't it was it was different it was like no 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 i don't i forget who it was but let, we'll just call him johnny <laughs> it, was like, it was like johnny your elbow okay put the elbow underneath there okay move this like it was so calming okay your your okay your head to the shoulder like there was no like like nothing it was just like it was so calculated and understood and it was pretty cool. So, I mean, obviously that's what you're known for from me reading. So that's uh, pretty cool. But Andrew, you've been, you've been coached by her, uh, I imagine most of your life, right? Uh, yeah. Since, Ooh, man, summer of like 2013 is I think the first, first time I went to wrestling prep just went for a week. We honestly had no idea what it was. My, one of my high school coaches who, uh, some of my he, he was a dad of some of my teammates on the team just found it on the internet. I was like, Hey, there's this camp up in, up in uh, Northern California, you want to go? And of course me, it was like, yeah, let's, let's go. Um, and that's what started it all with Carolyn. Uh, obviously I was kind of enthralled right away. Like you said, uh, the way she coaches in the corners, the way she coaches practices, it's very, you know, body leveraging. It's putting your body in the right position um, at all times. And I just love it because it applies to anyone. Like you said, you know, anyone, uh, any body type can be successful in wrestling. And she kind of really makes your wrestling based on your body style. You know, I think a lot of coaches throw out just cookie cutter stuff, especially in high school, just, you know, which they're not paid a lot. They're high school coaches and um, you're not traveling to Super 32, you know, the biggest turns in the country. So and they're coaching, you know, what, 60, 70 kids at sometimes in a high school. So you kind of have to just mold it to, you know, a little cookie cutter. But the way she approaches the sport is so much different. And so for me, I was instantly, you know, enthralled with the process. Um, I only went to wrestling prep for a week that summer. But I did all the body leveraging on my own. I went 6 a.m. workouts before school and did it. Um, and I just saw the jump that it helped me make. As uh, That year was the first year I actually, you know, placed in state in California, which a uh, pretty big deal for California, the one class. So, I, you know, I saw the correlation to the way she coached and everything, and I was I was in from there. And then I think the next yeah. summer I spent four or five weeks out of wrestling prep and the rest is history. It was really refreshing because – we were on Matt, I think it was the, uh, so you had two and three in the middle and then you had one and four on the edges. And I, I, I forget what edge it was that you were on. And I was sitting there in a chair trying to get pictures and whatever. And um, it was just, it was refreshing. Cause it's like your elbow, it was like 
arm to elbow, arm to elbow, okay. Neck, okay, push, legs, head in. There you go, there you go. Okay, you got it, and it was a pin, right? And it was over, right? But it oh, wasn't like, on the mat. I'm sure it was, it was a head spread <laughs> throat on the mat. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, it's, yeah. it, it, I remember the first year I went to Super 32 with Israel Saavedra, and Israel was maybe an eighth grader. Israel Saavedra, uh, Coach Ward is a two-time California State <laughs> champ, NHSCA champ, Flow All-American, was a really great wrestler. And I was wrestling somebody from Christiansburg, Virginia, he was, and he, Israel ended up beating him. And the, and the kid's famous who he beat, and dad came over and said, I have no idea what you were saying, but that little boy sure knew. Yeah, so it, it was, to me all the time. They don't understand what I'm saying unless you're with me all the time. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I've, I've um, you know, I went to the grappler last year and there was a lot of similar coaches, but the talent wasn't as vast as this year, right? And then, you know, I've seen the state, but to be in a, to get to experience that room and get to see, you know, you coach, uh, Jeff Reagan coach, you know, um, uh, Terry Styles, I got to see him coach, right? Izzy's people were there. And then of course the Florida guys, you know, Balmacita and, and, uh, and Duck, and then you saw Palazzo and Scott and you, and, um, it was just amazing. I, I love, you're looking at a mat and you've got uh, Nick Simmons coaching against Mike Palazzo or something, you know, and you're like. John Garrett, Sean yeah. was coaching for Kingsman. You had Nick Piccinini coach from Oklahoma State coaching for Gilroy, Henry Porter. I mean, uh, Coach Porter, Henry Porter's dad is a real famous coach. You had Bill Newton oh. from Gilroy. So Nick Sean Garrett was there. Yeah, no, Sean Garrett was there. Yeah, I, I see my son. My son said, uh, my, my son, after his second match, he, he went outside, you know, he was upset and he, he was crying. He went outside to do what kids do when they lose, right? Just sit on the curb and just totally mind screw yourself. But that's what kids do. And he goes, today, no, yesterday I was taking him home from practice. He goes, dad, darn it. I go, what? He goes, I swear I saw Nashawn Garrett. I swear I walked right by him. And I go, okay. He goes, I know it was him, Dad. I watch him all the time. But I was so upset at myself, I didn't stop to say hi. And I was like, eh, but that's cool. But I, I hadn't, you know, I would not know anyone from anyone. You know, I know who I had. Even people I had on my show, like I had um, the young man that won 152 that beat RJ West and Camden Monroe. Mm -hmm. I had him on my show, but he didn't have a shaved head. So do you know, I was sitting there one time talking to him and Nick Busakis. At the same time, he had just upset Vafiatis because Vafiatis, I think, was picked to, right. to meet RJ Weston at the end. And he just beat him. And I was like, hey, wow, nice job. You know, Vafiatis is a tough kid. Uh, great bracket. Congratulations. Whatever, right? And then I walked away. Well, I gave Nick a pin because he had pinned somebody. So, you know, those little pins I gave out. So right, I gave those are very nice. Yeah, and um, I realized it was him when I got home, and, and I, I, I messaged him. I'm like, hey, man, do you realize we were talking? I didn't even recognize you, and he started laughing and stuff, so um, it was fun. A lot of great matches, um, and you know, I definitely want to get in, into your story, Andrew, so we can kind of blow up the NCAA, uh, but, but really quick, I, I'd love to learn a little bit about your coaching style, Carolyn, because I, I read some great things. Um, I got to witness 
you coach today, this weekend for the first time. And just the calming, as I've said, was, was awesome. So I watched some videos when I came home and, and it was really cool that you, you would be standing on the mat and you'd like grab the leg. Okay. Pick it up. Okay. Move here. You know, it was very nonchalant. Uh, yeah. So, so I read a little more and, and it talks about how you created some sort of taking mathematics and putting it into your style of coaching and discuss the big thing comes to body leveraging. And I mean, talk a little bit about that and, and how sure. this has just been very successful for you. Cause I read where you made the move to California, what, like 13 years ago or something. Yeah, I went to California. My former husband and I were both in venture. <clears throat> we went there when our children were young in elementary school. And um, I, I'd never had anything to do with wrestling in any, any way, shape or form. And our youngest wanted to wrestle. So I started taking him over to the club program at Stanford. And that's really where it started happening. And um, I guess I would just say, you know, I would watch the coaches coach. And then I would think to myself, mathematically, that's not the most proficient way to do that. And so I sort of fell for these kids that were in high school at the time. And there were kids like Nico Trigas who ended up going to Ohio State, NCAA All-American, Jason Welch, three-time California state champ, four-time state placer, NCAA finalist, three-time NCAA All-American, and now head coach San Francisco State. Um, there was a whole bunch of kids who started out and they all wanted to do well. And their parents would be frustrated with them because the coach would ask them to do something one way and they wouldn't do it. And I would watch the athlete do it. He happened to be a, a man who was at the Olympic training center and he could, would come over and coach. He ran the club program there for a while. And he, I would say, Hey, you know, when he's, when his trajectory is going forward and the goal is to knock the large object on its back, uh, these are the muscles he's using in this order. And the kids would just be like throwing themselves, you know, sort of ineffectively, not using their body in a way. And I remember one time, one dad in, in particular, uh, we had taken Jason Welch to the Menlo Open College Tournament as a sophomore or junior. And he was in the finals. And I had said to him, hey, the coach says, don't do it this way, do it this way. And so he didn't, but he was sitting on the, he was laying on the bleachers. I said, Jason, why didn't you do it the way coach said? He goes, Oh, I did. I did, Carolyn. And I went, oh, he doesn't know the difference. And then, you know, most dads are like, they don't want it. They're lazy. It's keep in mind, I knew nothing about wrestling, nothing about the wrestling community. And I thought that kid's out there wearing a white leotard, basically, with every part of their body visible to anyone in the room. There's no way a ninth grader would be doing that unless they really want to do this sport. So over time, that athlete left the Stanford club program. I was helping the kids go to college. He would say, Carolyn, these kids, because Palo Alto is very affluent, but immediately outside, it's not. A lot of migrant kids, migrant workers, children, you know, very, California has the 42nd worst public school system in the country. And these kids really wanted to go to college. And the coach said, hey, I'll call the coaches. You help them do their testing and their essays. So I did all of that with them. And then I just started coaching because there was no one to do it because these high school coaches, they're not getting any extra money. They have their own families. They have to deal with the school system. And I just started helping. And I was like, uh, if I was still doing, you know, math-based work, I had stopped working in venture capital. I'd 
had stopped working. And um, I'd say I'd be fired. So <laughs> then I thought, how can I teach these kids to make these movements correctly? So over time I would watch and I ascertained about 95% of all of technique is correlated to about 14 or 15 sequential movements, which is now a big, a big that term sequential movement is a big thing in MMA and wrestling, but it's, it's not what I do. Mine's math-based. I'm looking for the math and the angle, not the like, not the likeness to movement of animals or all the other stuff. Rob Cole was explaining it to me a little bit. When I was up, I was up, in, up in Ithaca a while back and he and I had breakfast one day and piddled around on a, on a wrestling mat back when you could. And um, he's like, yeah, that's not the same thing. I'm like, no. So really for me, the philosophy has been, I want kids to get better and explaining things in math because math is always correct. And then teaching them how to do those movements and then teaching technique by by connecting those dots, not just, I mean, really keep in mind, Coach Ford, there's, there's, over, there's over 600 seconds, you know, there's a, a lot of time in a match. There's no way to do it perfect, even though a lot of coaches have it in their head, this is the most perfect way to do it. And it might not be because it's mathematically improbable. So if you can teach a kid how to do what they already know to do better and give them hope, that all those years of practice is paying off now and then add on what works logically, then it's better. And then over time, I stopped fiddling with every piece of technique I ever saw. And we sort of had, we sort of had our own consumer reports, John Andretti, Shane Triantos, Drew Morgan, Mark Klimko, trying to think who else, Israel Saavedra, Emilio Saavedra, a lot of really good kids. We all got together and we would take all the technique we'd seen that year and it banged it up against somebody who was in the best mathematical body position. And if it didn't work on him, we didn't, we didn't teach it or drill it. Andrew, I got a question. So you show up to this camp and you're here to wrestle, right? And, and this lady comes out and she's like, okay, one plus one is two, three plus three is six. Here's the angle. Here's the, are you like, what the hell am I doing here at first? <laughs> I, it was, it definitely throws you off at first in the sense of, you know, we show up just for a wrestling camp. You don't, you know, never been anything like this. I've only been wrestling for, you know, three or four years at the time. So like, I didn't know that much. And you go to this mat or you go in the first day, you know, start camps would always start on a Sunday and on a Friday over the summer and Sunday is match, uh, match day. So it's just kids that aren't even doing the camp for the week are coming. There's like 300, 400. Some, I've been in one of like 500 kids just doing <laughs> running around this in the circle and then breaking off into, you know, five, six groups and you're just doing matches. You just pick kind of by weight, you know, and then you just pick a kid and wrestle and then the four other groups go and then you go. And so like, I'm just like, oh, you know, okay. We're just wrestling, you know, whatever getting ready, you see kids are running. Then all of a sudden they start doing this body leveraging thing for the warm-up because, you know, the rule is if you come to, to match day, you have to do the body leveraging. No one's no one's too good, you know? And so I'm just like, oh, I, and of course, you know, it's the first day, so she's not really explaining it. She's kind of just running through. So everyone's just kids that, you know, never been there just throwing themselves to do it. So I'm just trying, falling on my head, seeing little six-year-olds, you know, running the floor, doing it perfectly. I'm just like, what is going on here? But as the camp progressed to me is the way she would explain things is, is literally, it's like an engineering problem. Like she said, it was like, this is the best, like most efficient way to do it. The strongest way, you know, 90 degrees is the strongest structure. So I apply that with, you know, 90 degrees between my legs, between my arms, 
I'm going to pull this way to use this muscle, you know, and then for me, just being a more analytical person as I am, it just made sense to me in the sense of like, oh, well, why would I waste my time using so much energy when I could just be doing it this right way, you know, in the correct body position to be the most effective. So I just looked at it as being the most effective. So for me, I was, I was kind of drawn to it right away. That first week I was, a uh, I was kind of all in. So even though I was only there for a week, I kept practicing through, through, like I said, that whole year, saw great results. And then I was, I was sold and yeah, been going and pretty much uh, every summer ever since. Yeah. You know, it's, it's obviously worked. I mean, you're at a, a, a very, very, very top academic school. You're in the SOCON, you're at Campbell, you're wrestling division one, you're, you're training for the U S open. You've, you've placed in probably the toughest tournament in the country. Uh, maybe New Jersey, uh, maybe Indiana. I've heard those three are all one state championship. Um, but congrats. I mean, so obviously she's meant the world to you. No, definitely. I mean, she's, she's done so much for me more than just, you know, training. She's the one that helped me get recruited kind of like what you guys were talking about the whole preseason um, training that she does in regiment was that's what I jumped in my senior year. You know, I, I placed my junior year, you know, kind of going the wrestling prep way, um, trained all summer. And then she was like, Hey, we do all the tournaments. You know, we do super 32. We do California at this, we used to have a good, uh, preseason tournament called the shootout, I think, or, or the world challenge. That's what it was. The yeah, world world, challenge. Yeah, California world challenge. Yeah. So all the good California kids would go there and it was like two three weeks before super 32. So I was like, perfect, go there, um, do all this. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I took off. And I, even though I didn't place at super 32 my senior year, um, I felt like I wrestled the best I ever did. Um, I kind of, I did the whole Carolyn way. I did my diet, right. I did my weight cut, right. I traveled with her, which is very regimented in the sense of we're getting there at this time. We're weighing in at this time. We're eating at this time. We're going to sleep. Like it's, it's a business trip. Um, and so for me, I was sold, you know, I didn't place, I was, obviously in the moment I was bummed. But, right, but he finished right out of placing. Yeah. I was, I think a, a match away, two matches away, lost to like the third and sixth by a few points. So I knew I was wrestling well. And then that's when I started getting recruited. I started talking to uh, Cal Poly, some other schools. And that's where I, you know, spoke with Coach Sentez, Coach Brendan Buckley, who, because initially I went to, to Cal Poly my freshman year. That's where I, where I committed. So pretty much right after that, that's where they, they noticed me, where I did well. And I, I ended up committing, I think, you know, a month two later that's awesome um what was like um uh, yeah palazzo says the same thing when these kids are getting ready to go to a tournament like this is not a vacation this is a business trip it's where we're going it's what we're doing uh, you know real quick uh, another california kid we watched this weekend uh and he just made it look easy joey cruz oh how good how good is that kid joey cruz is incredible i have the cutest pictures of him he has to be it's 2012 or 2013, he and the oldest Luna boy, Ryan, are over in the facility, our facility in San Jose. Bryce Luna uh, placed this weekend at 115, uh, I mean 112 in the elite division from California. But they're over, and Joey's always been incredible. You know, he's a hard worker. He knows how to, he knows how to manage his weight, and he's a, just an incredible kid. Yeah, I mean, two guys that I saw this weekend that looked different level than the rest of the kids was him at Joey at that weight and uh, Busakis at his weight. Those two just looked, they were on different universe, different planet than the rest. Um, I mean, Cook, 
Crook kept it close. Uh, they're very, very, very close, those two. So I don't know. You know, they know each other really well. But I think those two kids, the California kid, Joey, and then seminary kid, Nick, those two just looked different. I, do they typically, I mean, you travel the country at all these tournaments. Do those two kids typically look different in these rooms? Uh, well, I think that depends on the tournament. You know, I mean, there's no doubt that Nick and Joey are exceptional. But there are other kids that are just as exceptional. Um, <clears throat> you know, maybe only two or three percent of the of the high school kids. But that's what's the beauty of the preseason is, you know, you go to all these different places. Then Super 32 is where everyone goes. Like they, yeah. you know, people, I mean, I have kids from Colorado. We had some kids here training from Colorado who are both uh, top three placers in Colorado. They come every all the time, Cody Thompson, Dylan Roman, and they, you know, they're like, hey, do you want to go, do you want to go to journeyman? You want to go to the grappler? No, I want to go to Super 32. And we, wrestling prep was the first group out of California to really go to Super 32 and the first to go to journeyman. And you can see the impact of wrestling prep over the years because I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable with kids only going to California tournaments because I felt like in many ways, and I'm going to say this, and, I, and I'm not trying to be malicious, but it sounds malicious. I felt that California kids were often controlled by the California colleges because they would tell them, we're not gonna recruit you until March of your senior year. And I said, that's crazy. There's so many D1 programs. There's so many academic schools, not that Cal Poly or Stanford or Bakersfield, or at the time we still had Fullerton, and you know some of the programs that you know we don't have anymore. Fresno wasn't active then, but now we have Fresno. We didn't have CalPAP, but or now we have Sonoma also in California, Menlo, but in San Francisco State. But that was crazy. I'm like these kids should be going other places. And there was a kid named Jeff Doss. John Welch was really fond of him too. With Los Gatos, got third in California his senior year. But before, I called up the coach at Cal Poly and I said, hey. You know, we'd like you to be recruit him now. And he said, no, we don't do it till later. And John Welch called up the, the coach at the time and said, this person you don't, you barely know, she's going to have him sign somewhere else because she's not going to wait for him to get injured or to have a bad state tournament when he's already done so well at Super 32 and others. She's going to get him recruited. And that was the first time Cal Poly made a uh, financial offer to someone prior to the California State Tournament. That's awesome. And not just that, but I mean, the Juco wrestling in California is insane, too. Yeah, really I mean, good. You can go through, I mean, your buddy Cormier, right? I mean, look what he did. He went, and, he went to Juco in um, Louisiana. But he, but it's the same thing. I mean, that's what that was Daniel's opportunity. And then he, yeah. he made the most of it and had the opportunity to wrestle for John Smith at Oklahoma State. But, you know, that, that whole Juco system makes all the difference. But what, what I think I want to say about the recruiting and preseason and trips being a business trip, so much of wrestling is about these relationships people have with their parents and their friends. So when they get to the tournament, they want to recapture that. But at the end, sometimes people who get caught up in the emotion of a tournament, and I feel sure Mike would, Coach Plaza would say this because he's a no-nonsense guy. Um, <laughs> When it's all over and they're wondering why they're only getting 20% scholarship and there's not people interested in them, it's the difference between placing an even number at the lower half, 
than finishing in an odd number in the top half. And a lot of that has to do with sleep, preparation, rehydration, um, everything planned out, clean clothes, peace of mind, no confusion about when you're getting there. Would parents say to me, oh, I'm sorry, my kid wasn't on time to warm up. We were stuck in traffic. I'm like, what traffic? Oh, the traffic to get in the facility. There was no traffic 45 minutes ago. And now here's your kid. Here's your kid. We said shoes on 6.50 a.m. Now it's 7.45. Your kid's not warmed up. What do you want me to do about it? There's 200,000 kids on this mat now. At, at yeah. 7.01, there was wrestling prep and St. John Bosco. Me and Ruben Valencia. That's, you, can, you can set your clock to me and Ruben Valencia being the first people on the mat at any tournament. Yeah, I, I, my son gets upset with me sometimes because, so I was in sales for 20 years, you know, and I was a sales manager. And so being on time was a pet peeve, right? So I would, um, but I think I'm just ridiculous. So like, you know, they didn't open the gym till eight this past weekend. Daniel would be through the door at 7 a.m. And he'd be sitting on the couch waiting for Palazzo to come down at 7.30. And he's like, why do you keep getting here so early? I'm like, because you're here. There's no excuse. We're not late. You're on time. You're here for everything. And I don't, maybe he appreciates it. Maybe he doesn't. But hopefully when he gets older, he'll look back and, and be, understand. You will, will appreciate it. And I think this weekend it's at the Grappler, the first day we were, we were talking to you, Pearson Manville, the youngest of the Manville brothers, Mason Carson Pearson. And I don't know if you're familiar with him. Mason is a redshirt sophomore at Penn State and multi-time, he's two-time world champ. Very, very good. Carson is one Fargo every time he says, stepped on the mat, except for his injury year, he didn't go. Pearson, he came right up, sat right down and put on his shoes. While the other kids were sitting there looking at their phone and whatever, waiting for somebody to tell them what to do. And then when they when we got out there and they were all putting on their shoes, Pearson's running and he's giving them the evil eye. He's like, you're wasting. I hardly get to be with Carolyn. She doesn't live near me anymore. She has to drive to me or fly to me. You're wasting my time with Carolyn. Get on this mat. And he's in ninth grade. But but that's why Pearson will Pearson will go to college on a full academic or an RTC and he will do well because. They, he's willing to do that. Get him off the mat when it's all done. He's the goofiest kid on the planet. Yeah, and it's great to see, like I tell you, just in my few minutes in wrestling, the big clubs that I've gotten a chance to go to and watch wrestle, um, at least in locally here, you see that there are kids in the room that make sure the other kid, like the coach doesn't have to do it. There's, there's kids that understand they need to be doing it and they they handle it but it's pretty awesome so andrew what's up i mean i'm sure i could talk to carolyn about math and all this stuff because math was the only subject i passed in school all the others i failed so i do like math but <laughs> um and it's making me like want to pack my kid a bag and send them to wherever you are right now but we take uh, them do it that's the way that's, I mean, that's how I got into it. You just gotta, you gotta jump in. I mean, she's you, the one that kind of took me to that next level. You'd be stunned the kids that really come through that we don't talk about or say anything because they have over possessive club coaches or high school coaches. But I will say two of the 
most times I've ever been most flattered was someone told me that Steve Terrapelli said of Clovis High School, told his kids, I don't really want you to train anywhere else, but if you are, I want you to go to Carolyn Western. And then I have another family who's at SEM and Scott Green said, I don't really like other people around, other coaches around my kids at all, but Carolyn Wester is not one of them. You can train with her, what you want. And I think that's why Cormier came and sought me out. You know, he came over to where I was, called me on the phone. I didn't know who he was and said, don't tell him that though. Um, <laughs> he came over and he, and he said, I'm Daniel Cormier. Can I come <laughs> kids and come watch you coach? I said, yes, sir. And he came over and then he said to me and a guy, John Hall, he said, I, we want you to come to AKA. And that was 2011. And then Javier Mendez, I sat around and watched for about a year, about a year, a little less. And I, then I started helping just saying, hey, are you trying to do what Daniel's doing? Cause he's actually doing it like this. And then they, they said, you need to be in the corner because you're so calm. It's funny. I had, I got, I tell people, I got a phone call from Barry Davis on my Facebook, wow. on my Facebook phone thing, right? And because when I first started out, I didn't know anybody but the little group like at CFWA or TFA or the kids that my son had been around. So I was literally going on to Facebook Messenger and I would type in like wrestling and I would just private message people. So I must have done that thousands of times. If it looked like you were like wrestling and not WWE, I sent you a message, right? So apparently I'm, he must have been one that got a message. So my phone rings and it's like, hey, this is Barry Davis. And I'm like, okay who are you? He's like, you want me on your show? And I'm like, I don't know who you are. Are you a coach? What do you do? He's like, all right, never mind. And he hangs up and I'm like, oh shit. So whatever. So I, I reach out to Mr. Hennenbaugh and cause Bud has been helping me through this. You know, he became a fan and whatever. And I'm like, Hey sir, I think I just, well, first of all, I look up Barry Davis and it, I find out he's like the, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of American wrestling. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm a dummy. And I, so then I, anyway, we reconnected and everything went well and I had him on the show and it was awesome. So he sends me a referral to Gary Abbott and I say, okay, thank you very much. And he puts in big capital letters, make sure you do your research first. And I was like, okay, <laughs> shot fired. <laughs> like touche coach. I got it. <laughs> that was that was one of my funny moments amongst many that I've had when I'm talking to somebody who's legendary and I have no clue, absolute clue, right? Well, that so. was me. I didn't know. And even today, people will talk to me. They'll see me in a, at a UFC event or, or doing an interview for the UFC or something or uh, cornering at a, at a fight. And then they'll ask me, do you know so-and-so? And I'm like, no, I have no, <laughs> no clue. They're like, you're not that. a fan. I'm like, not really. I just coached the... the the men and women I coach. Well, because of this show, and I've I've done like 340 or 350 since April 6th, right? So I finally got out of my house for the qualifier, 32 qualifier. There was a little D1 duel, and then I went to grappling. So now people will start talking to me, and they'll be like, yeah, I mean, so Oscar Smith, you know Oscar Smith, or I'm like, I have no idea. Okay, well, he's like top 10, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. I don't know him. Tell me who he is and I'll talk to him. Right. <laughs> and, but I, that's legit me. Right. So it, it's pretty funny, but man, enough about that. Let's get into you, Drew. So yeah. first, you know, let's, let's talk about what's going on. So you were at college, uh, things, whatever happened, you transferred COVID's going on NCAA blocks it. Right. 
Yeah, it's it's been uh, a, a ride um, these, what, four years since Cal Poly. So, um, like I said, you know, got recruited to Cal Poly, went there after, you know, a good senior year working with Carolyn, um, doing the whole preseason, postseason thing. Going to Cal Poly, had a great year, loved the time there, loved the guys, loved the area. Um, but we didn't have any NCAA qualifiers that year. Um, our coach took a new job at uh, Beat the Streets, New York, Brendan Buckley. He's now the executive director there. Um, and then obviously coach Evans, Mike Evans was going back to Iowa to train, um, with their, the Hawkeye wrestling club. And then Scotty was in limbo about whether he was staying or not. So, um, you know, we were having a full coaching staff change, which is, you know, kind of a shock. Um, didn't think much of it. It was kind of like, Hey, Cal Poly is my place. Um, and then, um, we actually had a meeting with the athletic director, Don Oberhelman, and he was like, Blah, blah. And it's the week before the NCAA tournament that year, 20, um, 2016. And he was like, I'm going to talk to people, get an applicant pool, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, last little bit he leaves on his, yeah, also anyone who would like to transfer can transfer as long as they meet with the new coach first. Um, and so, you know, at the time I wasn't even thinking about transferring, so it didn't, didn't even register. I just heard it, you know, whatever. And then a few weeks pass. Um, obviously there's the applicant pool, everything. And we find out um, coach John Saritas got hired who's now the, the current coach at Cal Poly and I have great relationships to this day we're super cool we talk at tournaments uh, always at Reno and and things super cool guy um, but obviously once that process was going on um, I found out coach uh, Sentez wasn't staying coach Scotty Sentez and he you know literally how the conversation went he goes hey I'm going to Campbell I checked out the other schools coach Collett reached out to me I'm going to Campbell you know obviously I'd love for you to come but I'd love for you to stay like I just want what's best for you I, that's it you know, pretty much told the whole team that in team meetings and everything. So I was like, all right, well, the AD did say we, we were allowed to transfer. So why not at least like check out the, the opportunity? Um, and Campbell, the first thing you do when you when you Google them there is their business school comes up. Like I think I Campbell literally Googled Campbell business. First thing that came up is their business school. And they actually have a the major that I was in, trust and wealth management. It's the only one in the country undergrad program. So it's like a financial financial planning pretty much. And uh they also have this four plus one master's program. So in five years, you get your undergrad and your master's at the same time. And, you know, with wrestling, with red shirt and the four years of eligibility, you're in school for five years. So I was like, all right, well, this is already, uh, you know, kind of caught my eye. Um, and as Carolyn knows, my mom was Cal Poly all the way from day one. She was pushing Cal Poly. She was like, it's a great school, obviously, you know, in California, D1, pushing it, even talking to Carolyn and pushing yeah. it through oh, all yeah. She but, hell, that's that's really cool though. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, his mother is persistent. <laughs> it's really cool though, and it's refreshing when I talk to athletes at your level. Um, and they say, I didn't look, I, I chose the school not for the wrestling, but for the major. And obviously, Campbell has a history of wrestling and a great history. And you can't go wrong there, but it's it's refreshing to hear that. School is still important, but go ahead. It's cool. Oh, definitely. I mean, it was, it's, it's a huge thing. Obviously wrestling's going to end at some point. Um, can't wrestle forever. So uh, the major was important. You know, I think getting an education was important. And obviously this was right around when the flow documentary of Colot came out. So, you know, obviously I knew who Colot was, but I didn't really know who he was. I mean, he was, you know, before my generation. So I've said documentary, you're like, I mean, you can't go, can't go wrong with Kerry Colot. Um, <laughs> so I started looking at the school academics and stuff and, I was kind of scared to tell my mom, honestly, because I was like, she's just going to shoot it down. 
it's not even a thing. So I, I probably put it off for a week, honestly, looking back. But eventually I called her. I was like, hey, like we're having this, like this, this whole coaching staff change, you know, um, like I, I want to look into Campbell. Like that's, I, that's uh, I want to do. And she was like, okay, let me look at it. And of course she Googles, finds the trust and wealth. And she's like, actually I'm in. Like, I think we should, we should look at it. This is great. And I was like, calling me. she's calling, yeah. she's, she calls me coach sugar. She's coach sugar. <laughs> can you, can you talk to Drew about Campbell? And I want to say in this, even though I, I, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't that involved. I remember the day Drew called me and told me that the AD said he doesn't care if anybody transfers. And the reason I was super curious is because when Jesse Delgado was at Cal Poly, and uh, Mark Perry left to go to Illinois. Jesse was allowed to transfer and they made it, they made it difficult. And the former head coach, John Acevedo, stepped in and said, listen, you have got to let this kid go with, with Mark Perry. And so when I heard that the AD said, because they fought him, fought, I, this is my recollection. So it, it could be different. I wasn't talking to the Delgados or Coach Acevedo, but this is my recollection. And then, which, so when Drew said, the AD said it was okay, I said, are you sure? And he said, yes. I said, did anybody else hear it? He said, yes. Yes, Carolyn Joshi heard it. Who's a, who was Drew's roommate, but a kid from California that I was close with. And I remember that. So, you know, I, this whole time we've been going through this with him, that is what happened. And I'm, I'm disgusted. Wow, you could see, you could see your, you could see your face change just now, and you could see yeah. how much you care for this young man and, and want to see what's next. So, uh, well, sorry, I just had to throw that. Oh out. no, no, it is, I mean that's exactly how it happened. I mean, it was literally the process we went through. So of course, you know, I'm like, all right, well, let's. And that was under the old transfer rules, so without the whole transfer portal that they got now, which makes it a lot easier for athletes to transfer. So I actually had to ask for permission to trans to get contact with Campbell. So I go into the AD's office, I ask him, he goes, and this was right when Coach Cerritos was being hired. He was actually coming in that week. So he was like, hey, how about you wait till Cerritos comes in, talk to him, and then you can come back to me. And I was like, all right, that's fair. That's what you said in our meeting with the team. That's what I'll do. Meet with Coach Cerritos at the end of the week, talk with him for almost an hour. Great conversation, great guy, his goals for the program, everything. But I was still, you know, it's just like, I don't want to be that guy in five years, looks back on my wrestling career and goes, what if I would have went to Campbell? You know, Kerry Colot, like, doesn't get much better than that. Um, so I go back to the AD the next week. I remember because it's 8 a.m. in the morning. I didn't want to be there, obviously, waking up. I don't think I had class till you know, 10, 11. So I was like, all right, I have to get up. This sucks. Um, go meet. So I walk in, and he's like, oh, I meant to reschedule with you. Um, sorry, I forgot to email you or something, but, but we'll just talk. It'll be quick. Um, so I have to go walk in and go, Hey, I, I still want permission to contact. I still want to reach out. And he just one eighties on me. He starts like oh, berating me in his office. And I just remember it's 8am. So I was like, what is going on? He was like, I and, think and this is after he told you it's okay to transfer. Yeah. This is after that team meeting. So that he's going, I think you're leaving a good degree at Cal Poly, blah, blah, blah. I think coach Sentez has been illegally recruiting you all this stuff. He's like, I no, I'm not granting you access to leave. And I, I'm just kind of sitting there stunned. It was like a five minute meeting. If that, and I was just like, um, uh, okay. Like, uh, I don't, not sure what to do. I think he was like, yeah, if you want to appeal it, you can, or I got, maybe I got an email or something like you can go through these steps. So I talked to my parents. I'm like, well, I, I still want to do this, especially after that. Like what, what the hell was that? 
So yeah, that's just a bad taste in your mouth. Exactly. So I go, I have to go through this whole process. You know, I have to get an appeal with faculty members of the school who aren't affiliated with the wrestling or with athletics. So like professors and stuff, four person panel, I believe, had to meet with them and like a full, like a hearing pretty much. They actually grant me uh, permission to contact. So then I, I go on my visit. I start talking with Coach Colot, whatever, and I'm, um, I'm just like, yeah, I think, I think this is kind of the the place for me. I've obviously been berated by the the AD, all this stuff. Um, so then ultimately, I, I decide like, I, this is, I want to transfer. And it's actually, um, I got back from my visit, and within not even 48 hours, probably 36 hours, or so I was getting calls from Coach Saritas. Like, hey, I got the, the AD on my back. Like, I need to know now whether you're going or staying. And I was like, I hadn't even made my decision. I hadn't even really thought about it because I didn't want to, I was kind of trying to put it off, you know? And uh, called my parents that night and was just started talking through it. And then was like, yeah, I, I, this isn't the place for me. Um, and even during well, all that, which man, I. Why does a young man your age have to get put through this shit? I mean, you're. Exactly. I mean, I want to say too, I haven't really actually. What are you, 19 at the time? 20? I mean. No, I, was, he, I was 18. He was a baby. He yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a year yeah. behind, so I, I, I'm young for my grade. Um, yes, yeah, so I was 18, obviously first year on my own, all this. And actually, I've never really told this on a on a forum like this before, but uh, I enlisted in my video I put out just because it's, it's, it, I didn't want to make it too long. But um, during that whole process, of course, my mom's like, all right, Drew's never had a problem with authority figures like this. Like, there's got to be some, you know, some mix up here, someone, you know, whatever. So my mom calls him, the AD, uh, Mr. Oberhelm, calls him and was like, um, hey, like, I just want to clear this up, blah, blah, blah. And he starts telling mom, he's like, yeah, I think that there's an inappropriate relationship with um, your son and Coach Sentes. Actually uses those words. So kind of implying almost like a sexual relationship. <laughs> and so my and I, I have no idea this is happening like my mom called behind my back so I had no idea so she immediately is like wigging out calls Scotty because she's like well she hasn't talked to Scotty at all this well, whole listen, if a coach told me if someone told me that they thought my son and a coach because it's not what you say it's how you say it right exactly exactly said, yeah I'm calling I, I mean I may be knocking I don't know yes. They're, they're, and uh, yeah <laughs> my mom yeah my mom was thrown off so she called scotty me like hey i know there's been all this drama we haven't talked but like he's implying there's been this sexual relationship like i just need you to know and so scotty just takes it directly to title nine at the school he's like i'm not playing with this like this could affect you know my life my future employment like all this stuff uh, so uh, yeah so scotty takes it right away they send i think the ad is cease and desist so he's not allowed to talk to scotty anymore um and there's all this bad blood between them over the hiring process for the new coach. You know, I can't really speak too much on it because obviously it didn't involve me, but Scotty told me about it. So obviously there's bad blood there, which is sure. what's pretty much affecting my eligibility. You know, so instead of getting Scotty in trouble, he's coming back at me and just taking my eligibility. So, so at this point, you've decided at this point. So first you're told by a grown man, a grown ass man, right, that should live by his word that you're allowed to transfer because things are changing. Then you make the decision to do it and you're told no. And then the backlash is we're gonna call, we're gonna tell your parents that the coach is inappropriately doing things towards your kid to try to influence the parents to influence their kid to stay here. Correct. Yeah, pretty much. It was, I don't think I'd officially made my decision yet, 
so this is all leading up to me like because I was I really was on the fence like I was like I, I pretty much wanted to stay but I was like hey let's at least check out my options but he just was making it you know kind of impossible to stay um yeah so then by, by that point let me let me let me jump in here so so I'm at a gas station and his mom calls me because I remember I'm at a gas station his call because mom calls me I know in my heart Drew would rather stay in California because at the time he had a girlfriend that he really liked that's true right yeah down down at home like and he's not one of those one of those athletes has to talk to the girlfriend all the time or be there I think I only met her once in all the years I knew him but she was always there so I knew Drew probably did not want to be far away but his mom said to me Carolyn, you have to look at this trust program. It's more academics. And anybody who knows me, like even Jason Welch, when when Cale uh, Sanderson was recruiting him at Iowa State and um, Ortiz, it was at Arizona State then, I said, Jason, you need to go to the best academics that has the best wrestling. And he went to Northwestern. So I remember her calling me. And when I looked into it, I said, Drew, academically, you can do your grad year there. You can get your MBA there. My daughter did accelerated MBA. She's two years ahead of Drew in school. I'm very academic oriented. This is what you need to do. It made him further away from where I lived at the time, which wasn't convenient for him because he, he was dependent. When you have a coach for five or six years, you are dependent on them. So even if you're just with them for a couple of weeks or three or four weeks out of the year, they've got to get there when you need them. And he could talk about that in his NCAA tournament career and how Colot would bring me in, allow me in, welcome me in when Drew needs before we're headed somewhere big, but go back. But I remember it was all about the academics. And then when she called me another time to tell me about a conversation with the athletic director, then I started to get hot. And see, I'm a little different than most people. What's my first response to every situation, Drew? Call a lawyer. Right that's, why people, that's why people don't mess with me. They <laughs> yeah, try. So, yeah. That's where so, we are in this situation. I'm hot. His mom's hot. Yeah. Yeah. So I, now, I, I mean, I'm probably messing so up the you're, time. Now you're officially at Campbell, right? Now, and, yeah. And you're trying to wrestle and you lose. They're, they're trying to keep you from that. The, the so, NCAA so is the, not getting involved. What's going on there? So the, the process finished at Cal Poly where. So like I said, I had no idea this whole Title IX thing was going on. So one, you know, random week, you know, I'm just doing school, you know, training here and there. I get this Title IX email in my Cal Poly email. And I'm like, Title IX, why? I have to get like meet this person at this time it's in between my class. I'm like, what is going on? Like messing up my, my week, you know, weeks are, you know, very monotonous, you know, as college athletes. So I'm like, I don't even know where the building is. I don't know anything. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'll, I'll go to this room whatever so I go up there I sit in this you know little waiting room and they're like yeah come back it's like hey so there's been this title nine complaint with you and uh coach Sentes. like is there any sexual relationship or something going on and I think they legit think I'm like traumatized or something so I'm just like no there's nothing going on I don't know where I had no idea where this came from I had no clue um and I was so confused, but yeah, that like set it off. So at least, you know, made everything right in that sense. Um, I, nothing really came of that after. Um, but I think I called my mom and finally got the scoop and was like, all right. So that was the AD, all this stuff. Um, 
so then from there, you know, I go on the visit and everything and I'm just like, hey, this, I can't be here anymore. It's just not, not the place for me, no matter how much I, I would like to stay. So now that I want to transfer, of course, I, I request permission to transfer. AD denies it. So now I have to do that exact same appeal that I did before with the same people, but to get permission to actually transfer this time. So I do the meeting, all this the stuff. I bring up. Was, the first one was permission to speak. Yes. <laughs> it's yes, like a dog. Okay, Pretty much just, just permission yeah. to contact another school. Okay. So I got that, go to this meeting finally. I bring up examples of like of Jesse Delgado, actually, who I don't know personally, or anything, but I was like, hey, he transferred from Cal Poly. Same thing, his coach left. He fo followed the assistant coach to his school, ended up being a national champ, you know, all this stuff. So like brought up that example, brought up some other ones, talked about the rules. And this committee was, you know, full of professors and some were athletes back in, you know, 80s, 90s. There was, a woman, there was a woman professor there. Been an yeah, I distinctly remember one of them. She was like, yeah, I played volleyball in the 90s or something or some year. And she's like, yeah, I just remember back then, like, if you transferred, you you lost that year no matter what. And I, remember, I was just like, well, yeah. well, no, that's not actually the rule. It's based on being granted it by your athletic department, your AD. Like, that's why I'm, I'm here, all this stuff. And this is as I'm grad, this was as the year was over. So this whole process was from March, you know, 12th, 15th, 14th, you know, right around NCA time to June 10th, because Cal Poly gets out late on quarter system. So this is a four month, three month process that I'm going through my whole spring quarter. And I find oh, you're out, trying, you know, to, trying to go to school too. Yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole deal. So it's just, education. Yeah, just craziness. So, you know, that was right as I was leaving the dorms. I think I literally moved out of the dorms that day and then went to my meeting with my uh, with my dad and then uh, yeah and then I was denied you know two three days later um, you know and at the time I you know didn't really know my options didn't know what I was kind of at the point where I was just, I just want to go to Campbell I just want to you, know, you were you were denied the permission to transfer or you were denied the to get back the year of eligibility so you can uh, transfer when you lost transfer the year without losing a year of eligibility without yes so you you can technically transfer wherever you want you know, no school can really stop you, but yeah, they can take it. your... If I walk out of a school and I decide I want to go to a different college, but it's they, the eligibility it's thing. It's the eligibility, yes, sir. Yeah, so they took that year. Um, you know, Coach Colot knew that, and, you know, obviously he was gracious enough to, hey, we want, we obviously can't get this year. You'll get three. And he knew how, you know, stupid it was. So we even tried to fight it when I got to Campbell through our compliance department, um, was ultimately denied again. But at this time, I tore my meniscus. It was actually middle, middle of January. Um, so I was kind of like, well, I'm out for the season anyway. Not really worth fighting, it, it, you know, whatever. And then of, in the summer of 2017, I believe, um, they changed the transfer rules. That's when they started the portal. And so then I realized, oh, I actually could, I have a case I could argue, you know, about if under these rules, I would have been granted permission um, to, I would have, retain my year of eligibility so then um we talk about compliance and they're like hey the best way to file this is actually once your eligibility expires and then you file for a sixth year and get another year and so I was like all right perfect I'll, I'll wait so you know I waited the two years obviously COVID happened this year um didn't get my NCAA tournament um you know I was bummed about that but I was like hey I still got the chance for the sixth year let's do it pretty much that week or the next week I emailed compliance and was like hey I want to get this process started can we do it start that process 
that's another four or five month process just dealing with NCA in appeals. Um, and in August, I was ultimately denied um, for the final time through the NCA channels. And then me and my parents were like, hey, we're probably done here. Um, the, you know, lawyer fees, all this stuff. Um, they're working with my lawyer at this time, right? Yeah, yeah, we, uh, with Howard Jacobs. And he was, great. and we were just, we were just like, hey, Scotty's hooking me up where I'll, at least I'll be able to, to finish, uh, get my second master's degree, coach a little bit as a student assistant, um, you know, at least kind of work with the team, uh, do some administrative duties, um, just kind of do what I can for the team, you know? And then actually an alumni, um, who get, got back in with the program that these past few months um, is a lawyer up in Richmond, Virginia. And he heard my case from some other alumni and, and, and uh, Coach Sentez and was like, I actually think he has a good chance if he takes this to court. Cause obviously a lot, a lot of other athletes have taken it to court and gotten their years back because you know, it's so um, BS to say it uh, of the NCA to take people's years like that. So um, we're actually looking at- What the hell? I can understand. I can understand you can't just give everybody a year back. I get it. There's got to be a rule and there's got to be a process and there's got to be requirements because how many you'd have thousands of kids saying, Hey, I want another year. Right. So I get, there has to be some sort of, you know, whatever governor to the whole process. Right. But this is total bullshit. Like the NCAA, what, what does it hurt to give you another year? If you look back at the shit that one of their ADs put you through, already does that guy still even have a job what a piece of crap yep, that guy. he's the he's the 80s still at still at cal poly so, um, so i'm yeah. gonna jump in here so when drew goes to campbell for his first he he's never heard this story so he he goes to campbell for his first year i'm on the phone with him he's just there and he does not sound okay to me to me so i say hey drew i need to come east i'm living in california at the time. Now I live in both Virginia and California. So I say, I, I need to come east. I have Carson Manville with me, bring Ryan Franco. We fly out, I go over to Christiansburg, do a clinic over there. Sonny Close was the coach there. I do a clinic. I say, hey, I'm gonna be in town. I'm coming over. But I'm really calling because Drew sounds, doesn't sound right to me. So because the kid is all the way across the country, you know, you know Scotty, right? You know, he's like Mr. Popular smooth talker all around, everybody loves him. And Drew is, Drew is not someone who asks when he needs help. I mean, I've known him a long time. He does not ask. I have kids that will tell me right up front what they need, it's not Drew. So I go, I go out there, I'm hauling, I think Ryan, Frankie and Ching, Anthony Ching. I haul that Ryan Franco is a really great wrestler. And, and we've been up at the Manbulls and I go out there and Drew to me is not okay. You know, like I'm worried. I, I've never met Colot. I know Scotty just on the phone and I hit the building. Drew and I walk in and I'm just talking to Drew and Colot yells down the, down the quarter. Is that you, Carolyn Wester? I said, yes, sir. He's like, come on in here. And I was like, and he said to me, if you care enough to come all the way out here for this kid, I'm going to care for this kid back. And then I was comfortable, you know, because it wasn't okay. Drew was at Cal Poly in California with his friends where there was a set standard. His parents were three hours away. I was three hours away. He roomed with Joshi. His life was all in order. And here he goes out to get his best education. And that dude, the day I questioned Drew 
Did anybody else hear that AD say that? And when I when he got to Campbell, I did not want them to wait. I felt waiting was a problem, you know, because in all business negotiations, everything, you know, people associate uh, patience with acquiescence and they move on and they don't care and they think you're not going to bite back. And so in actuarial math, you know, and you're doing insurance and what's the likelihood of this accident happening after this many years of payment, you know, the longer it goes on, the less likely something's going to happen. So it kept the people at Campbell from having to deal with it. Not that they didn't want to, but here's a new guy with a new head coach, with a new assistant coach in a program that had changed coaches off frequently before Kerry. That's correct, right, Drew? Yeah, we, Campbell wasn't the best. <laughs> it wasn't stable. And I did not want them to wait, but I had no say. And I, and I voiced it to his mom and she's like, we're going to wait. But, you know, to me, and now that Drew's in this process and involved with this federal attorney, which we're thrilled about, and then the other attorney, to me, every kid that was on that Cal Poly team who heard him say that, who chooses not to put it in writing in an affidavit, the reason they're not doing it is because they have latent fear of the constant bullying athletic departments do to kids, athletes. I mean, there are a lot of coaches who've said to me, you know why everybody hates you? Because you can't be fired. And I think to myself, that probably is super annoying. I started coaching at 42 years of age and thousands of kids come to me and I'm on ESPN and, you know, Habib Nurmagomedov would deck you if you even look Luke Rockhold, if you even look cross-eyed at me. But I am not going to put up with that toward kids. You're an athletic person, athletic director. You are a public servant. You get one opportunity as a young man to do. That's right. And these kids, these, these other athletes at Cal Poly are people who know what happened and are, are uncomfortable. I mean, a lot of people have stepped up to help Drew. I'm jumping the story a little bit here. But the ones who haven't, I, it's not because they don't like Drew. Or, sure. or it's not like the wrestling program is going to be in trouble at Cal Poly. It's because they still are scared. I mean, I would have parents would come to me and say, the, the high school wrestling coach says, I can't do that. I'm like, that's a civil liberties issue. That's illegal. Just go to the ACLU. I mean, it's not going to happen. But they're all afraid. They're all no, afraid. Academically, academically, you can get a college degree until you're 103 years old, right? But athletically, you can't play wrestling or play, play wrestling, I guess. You can't wrestle at a high level until you're 103. You know, these kids get one shot, you know, like Eminem, one opportunity to, to, uh, to have their athletic college career and get the opportunities to, to do what they do and to have it taken from you is not fair. And then to, to, to then have NCAA fight for kids that say, oh, well, it's, it's about the education. We don't want to pay them. It's about this. It's about that. When And now you have a kid here saying, I don't want money. I don't want anything. I just want another year to play. And you're not going to give me that chance. I mean, that's so stupid. Well, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, I mean, I don't know. I have no, I don't know the athletic director at Cal Poly personally. I have no idea what the duplicity is or why, you know, why this duplicitous statement in public and public forum to kids and athletes and then to turn around. I don't know. I don't know what motivated that. 
of him, but that is a form of bullying and harassment and usury that is not acceptable. But as a man, at a public as a man at this point, at this point as a man, just what does it hurt for you to say, you know what, I fucked up. I did tell him he can transfer. And then I was concerned about my program. I have a job to do here. I was having a coach come in. I was scared of losing my athletes. The program was kind of on a fine line. I did some things. I said some things I shouldn't have said to try to protect my livelihood. We get it. I screwed up. Give the kid his year back. I mean, what, what the hell does that hurt as a man, as a grown man? Do you have children? Does this guy have children? Would he want his children treated that way? Would he want his family treated that way? Would he want his nieces and nephews treated that way? Like, just be a bit, just, uh, I yeah, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. And, and obviously, Mr. Ward, we never met. So this is my first time explaining the story to you. And it's like, any reasonable person I explain this story to, and they're like, I don't get it. it makes no sense. Why, why don't you have your year? And, I, and that's how I felt this whole time is just like, it seems so black and white to me. Um, and especially um, what really, I think that what irks me the most about the whole, whole deal, like you said, you know, can't give everyone six years. There's gotta be a process and all this stuff. And I get that. And that's why I've gone through all the avenues, the NCA avenues and everything. Um, but that entire time, I actually never once spoke in person to an NCAA worker, never spoke to the caseworker, never spoke to the caseworker's boss who oversees all those cases they look at. And then I never spoke to anyone on the appeal committee who made the final decision about my case. We actually applied for a teleconference waiver. So it's actually in that final appeal, they can grant you a teleconference where you can be the one to explain your case to all the, to the appeal committee, not just your caseworker. So we, we applied that or, um, or sent that in. We, you know, we wrote up all the, the legislation, put my reasonings, all this stuff, you know, used uh, our lawyer, Howard Jacobs, to write this up, this, you know, three-page document, um, and they still denied me. The only time I personally ever spoke on my case, as you could say, was I wrote two statements. Um, one in 2016, when we had not filed the initial waiver through Campbell when I transferred, and one more at the start of this process back in April. And that's a page and a half paper. Other than that, I've never spoken in person. You know what drives me crazy too, thinking about this? What would this situation be if you were the starting quarterback? If you were the starting player? I want to talk about it too. It's also like, I mean. If you were the pitcher on the baseball team. If you were on a money sport that drives the college tuition, that drives the college dorms, that, that pays, that brings in big TV contracts, you'd have your year of eligibility. And don't, you know, NCAA people are into odds bullshit. We've denied other people. Yeah, that were wrestlers, that were volleyball players, that were soccer players, that were lacrosse players. How many, unless you were, I mean, Unfortunately, there's kids that have raped, steal, beat women, beat men, got caught doing drugs, cocaine, and they get they get transferred from the school, but they still keep their eligibility and they get to play at the next school. I mean, I, not to name names, but there's a really good quarterback in the NFL right now that that happened to, and he's seems to be doing just fine, right? So No, I mean, that, that's how I feel, too. And part of it, you know, I wasn't a big name in high school. Like I said, I placed in California, placed at NHF Flow, but I wasn't, you know, 
I wasn't nationally ranked. I wasn't all this stuff. Um, you know, I started seventh grade, really made the jump junior year working with, with uh, Carolyn um, in wrestling prep. So, you know, I think, you know, just not being the bigger name, you don't get the, the publicity and everything, um, you know, and not to, to rain on anyone else's parades, but you look at all the other cases of people, you know, you look at the Suriano, you look at uh, Mikey F uh, Philippi, who from Pitt, who actually I messaged on Instagram, you know, to see if, with his case, try and get some details. And he, he was helping me out, super cool guy. Um, and, Love you know, him, had him on. And the yeah. same thing, you know how I got him on? The same way you came on. I had, uh, I had a couple that owns a gym out in Pittsburgh come on and she's like hold on I'm gonna get my brother-in-law or whatever she, I think it's brother-in-law on and she clicks and here's the number one kid in the country I'm like Felipe I'm like hey that's funny that's right? so awesome <laughs> yeah uh, he, yeah so I, I reached out to him and he you know he was saying he'll he'll try and get some information from from his athletic department if he can you know and just all the other cases of you know top athletes that got their year um I'm with you I, I definitely think it hurts you know, not being the money sport not being the, the bigger names um but obviously we're, yeah, we're not trying to fight that. Contracts. You're not bringing in athletic wear. You're not bringing in Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Nike. You know, if you're the starting point guard or you're the starting center or you're the starting quarterback, this shit goes away. They, they sweep it under the rug and, and they look, they look differently because you know why? Because the college people are fighting also because they're saying, wait a second, this is our quarterback. This is our pitcher. This is our, this is the one that we get to March Madness. We get all the money. We get to one of the big bowl games with. Without him, we lose millions of dollars in revenue. So well, to me, to I, I and so I, I'm not like uh, what's. And I don't mean Scotty. Scotty's fighting for you because he's your coach. Oh, I yeah. mean, lots of people. I mean, bigger, larger people over Campbell. Like it's great that this guy stepped in and said, "Hey, I got your back." Because now you have a big money guy in Campbell, a booster saying, hey, listen, this, this kid matters. Not because of money. He matters because he's a, a effing human being that's just trying to get another year. Yeah. Sorry. No, well, what I was going to say was I'm not a big, I don't like to, what's the word? When you try to guess what's going to speculate. I'm not a big speculator. Like, I, I don't want to speculate. I'm all about using a lawyer and the law effectively. If I were Cal Poly and I realized someone had a complaint against us who hired, look up Howard Jacobs, the athlete's attorney, hired this attorney who's just incredible and is now using a federal lawyer, the, the amount of money that if, if the Morgans were to choose to go after them for bullying, emotional duress, financial issues, hardship to Drew. Um, it needs to all happen. Well, I mean, if I was Cal Poly or, or you know, if, 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 it, if it was in one of my former, you know, business responsibilities in my pre-wrestling career, mm -hmm. I would have resolved that problem right away. I would have mea culpa and said, yeah, we have a problem. Yep, go right ahead, young man. Well, it was lying it wouldn't last this long because eventually the kid at his age would say all right mom i was i was lying he wouldn't say okay mom keep spending millions of dollars on these attorneys at some point it would come out the truth would come out 
from the kids. Oh, I mean, not- well, with that, I have I got six right now trying to work on some more from because uh, it was after season that meeting, so not everyone on the team was there. You know, I had class conflicts and stuff, but I have six of my former teammates have signed notarized affidavits saying they heard the exact same thing. So it's not yeah, obviously if I was lying at this point, there'd be no one uh, backing me up. And even when it happened, like you said, I was definitely like, cause I wasn't planning on transferring, didn't think anything of it. So when I did start turning the wheels on looking to transfer, I, I asked around, I was like, Hey, they, he said that, right? Like I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't crazy. And they're like, well, I'm, sure, I'm sure before this fight started, your mom and dad sat you down in a closed room and said, yo, before we start this fight, are you full of shit or is this real? Because well, I think Joshy, right? I think his roommate, you know, we're his parents are, are you not? It was, it was, I mean, there were so many of us saying, I think his mother and I were saying, somebody else heard that. Oh yeah, Joshy, yeah, yeah, I heard that. Right? We heard it. So we we were all confident that we heard it. We just couldn't even imagine that it would it would go would get this far. What I hate is that they I hate I hate it for the kid because college is for the next 40 years, right? Not for the next four years. Your athletic career in college is your memories for a lifetime. And the memory that this poor guy is gonna have is this stupid shit when all he wanted was one year of eligibility. And now it's gonna cause you, whether you're NCAA or whether you're Cal State Poly, it's gonna cause you now to pony up. If this guy doesn't get a year of eligibility, I hope these attorneys come at Cal Poly with all they got and this kid gets paid for his I hardship. I suspect that nobody above the AD has any kind of awareness of what's going on. And I and I think, especially with the state of the, even prior to COVID, California schools, California collegiate university system was taxed financially heavily. I mean, not I mean just struggling. So I, I think when it, when somebody figures out what's going on, that, that something will will happen. I think it's one of those things that it's never gotten gotten above anybody's head. But they preach it's about the kid. It's about the kid. It's about the kid. It's about the kid. Oh. Bullshit. You're proving to us that it's not. Because all, all he's asking for is can I... And it's not even like a whole year. What's a season? Three months or whatever the hell it is. So it's not... It's Especially not with COVID even. right now, we're, we're going to have a, a one-month season. So it's not... Not a lot I'm asking for here. But at this point, it's about the point. You told me something. Um, it is about the point. It is about the point. And we're telling, we we have Safe Sport. We have all these organizations that are trying to give people voices when they've been bullied, sexually harassed, et cetera. But if you don't stand up for yourself or for the kid that's there, then you're, you, the, the kids go, yeah, all of that is window dressing. Nobody's ever really going to help me. They're not going to help me. And that's, that's not, a, that's what's not okay. And I guess by now, I've met a lot of college coaches and college programs. Yeah, Colot is on it. And Colot has, even, even when some situations have occurred that, were negative for me, Colot has always let me know what was going on. And I, I bet you, I mean, I've, I've only known Scotty Sentis for the months that I started this, but every conversation I've had with him has been amazing. Uh, everybody I talked to that's been around him or been part of anything he's involved in says incredible things about him. And I guarantee you 100% oh. 
he's trying to help you. Um, and, and it's just bullshit. It's total bullshit. When, yeah, I, I can't wait to post this video and, and tag those people because I hope they see it. It's like when I had the Stanford, Safe Stanford Wrestling on and, uh, and I tagged them. So what? I called you an asshole. You're an asshole for messing with his life up. I mean, if you want to call me an asshole back, I, I can take it. Yeah. I mean, you know, go to hell. Give the kid the eligibility. And then to, and then to go and say that the kid was having sexual relations or, or whatever, you're going to say that that's not what I said. I said inappropriate relationships. That could mean a lot of different things. That could mean he recruited him illegally. That could mean he this. No, well, why did Title IX get involved then? Why did they question him about that? Title IX didn't just show up and question him. Title IX no. had to go to the AD. Title IX had to go to Scotty Sentes. Title IX had to interview. It's like when child services gets called for child abuse. They got to interview the kid. They got to interview the parent involved. And they got to interview the, the guy that made the complaint. They can't just say, okay, I take your word for it. So they then had to interview the AD who's confirming what he's saying that causes them to say, okay, let me go get the kid. Right? Am I wrong? I, I could be wrong. Well, I that's correct. Part, but... I went through a Title IX uh, investigation at another university from one of my athletes a few years ago, and they were so professional. And they, they asked every one of those questions. Yeah, and they got to talk to everyone involved. They got to talk to the accuser, the accusee, the, the person that's being accused. I mean, you can't just... You can't just say, okay, I believe what you're saying. Well, in the case that I was involved in, there was some screenshots that, uh, you know, supplied, you know, words that supplied uh, merit to the complaint of the athlete. In Drew's yeah, case, we have six affidavits yeah. of adult kids who graduated from Cal Poly, who are not employed by Drew's parents, who do not work for companies that Drew's parents are involved with, they don't, you know, Jews parents are not politicians. They have, there's no influence on them. And they're saying, yes, that's what was said. And that should be the end of it. Drew should have that's his right. eligibility back and, and they should, and Cal Poly should let it go. Yeah, this is and, where they, it, um, and whatever happens to the athletic director, you know, if you could just say I made a mistake like you described. Yeah, I mean. Oh, Paul, that's where um, Luke Smith is now, right? He, I think he's at, at Bakersfield. He's that big, okay. Yeah. Good because I like him. I was like, man, I hope I'm not bashing lightning Luke Smith. <laughs> no, and, and that's the thing too, is I, I have no problem with the with the staff at Cal Poly. They're, they were awesome to me. Whenever Chewy. Chewy. Reno was, I think I was talking to him this year. Yeah, Chewy, I, I've, I've talked with him. You know, and they're all they're all great. So yeah, it's just kind of one guy, um, you know, leaving that sour taste. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'm not – uh, I guess salty is a good word. Um, you know, I've had a great career. I've done a lot of great <laughs> things. I've been around amazing people, obviously. Um, going to Campbell, you know, with Colac, Coach Sentez, uh, Coach Mike Evans, that was kind of my guy since I was his weight range. Blaze Cabell, um, Garrett Kiley, who, who's now at Northern Colorado. You know, just great coaching staff, great people. So um, eligibility or not, uh, I'm just so thankful for, for everything that's happening in uh Kind of love yeah. love where I'm at. Well, maybe Cal State can start your life off with some cash in your bank account. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I wouldn't turn it down, but also let's just get that eligibility. Very money motivated, that's for sure. Just, because you life great at volunteering. Yeah, life, life. <laughs> you need it. Well, listen, this has been awesome, amazing, totally 
went in a totally not expected. It was awesome. I'm so happy. And then when I when I saw you and we started talking, I'm like, wait a second. I know I know this who this kid is. I had this conversation, and this sucks. And I'm gonna share this, and I'm gonna tag Cal Poly, and I'm gonna tag NCAA, and I'm gonna tag whoever I can. I don't know who to tag, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna post it and tag it. I'm gonna share it in all the wrestling rooms I know, and I hope the ones that I don't share it in, you guys share it in, and um, and the Sheridan is where the grappler was, but we're talking about Sheridan. And this was awesome. Okay, so let's end it off with a little bit of fun here, um, because that was serious shit. And uh, California pizza or California raisins? Ooh. California raisins. Yeah, raisins. California pizza is not not what it's known for. Not what it's known for. Okay. You're it's talking better. about wine country, so those raisins are pretty freaking good. <laughs> All right, so high C or ankle pick? Oh, ankle oh, pick. Pick, yeah. yeah. Easy. <laughs> All right. Uh, That's like All right, so two... Two good burger joints that I've, I've experienced in this country. I think you guys probably have two. In and out on the West Coast or cookout on the East Coast. In and out. Oh, you picked you picked a good one. Oh, that's tough. They're um, both really good, right? Yeah, I think the the California in me has to go in and out, yeah. but the price you can't beat at cookout. Man, a late night cookout run is a uh, hits different. Cookouts, I really shouldn't say. Yeah. yeah, we went to cookout for the first time this weekend. That's what made me think of it to put it out here. As I've been to In and Out when I went to Palm Springs, I think it was for a meeting. Um, and uh, my son, we got home and he's like, Dad, can we just make a seven hour run back to cookout? I'm like, not for the tournament, for cookout. Okay. Super 32, yeah. we will. Yeah. Yeah. All right, singles or doubles? No, me personally, I shoot more singles. I'd say I'm not the most explosive type. Nice. Um, all right, you guys do wings or burgers? Oh, I don't know. Probably a burger, but good wing. I know good wings. Oh, burgers for sure. Yeah, good wings. I'd probably go with that, but the average place of burger. All right, I like it. You go arm drag or arm throw? Uh, arm drag is at ninety degrees, and your straight wrist pull, and your fingers incorrectly. I'm down. If not. I'd rather you throw them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy to show I'm happy to show you why. <laughs> Not physically, please. I'll give you my kid. You can throw oh, I love them. to. I love that's a big mistake people make is they they don't think I'm strong or can partially bad news. I bad news. I like it. So fries or tater tots? Yeah, fries. Fries. Tater tots. Regulate. Tater tots are what? Mushy. mushy. They're always mushy. You can ask for extra crispy fries. You yeah. can't get extra crispy tater tots. They're too mushy inside. <laughs> Not from, oh, where's that uh, place we go get hash for Waffle House? Waffle House. Nadi took me to Waffle House one time with, with Drew. And oh. Ching and Ryan and those guys. I would tell you about a Waffle House that I went to when I was younger in Jacksonville, but it's attached to a place that we probably shouldn't talk about. <laughs> it was a very good it was a, a weird experience um leg lace or gut wrench uh lace and and it yep not a figure i don't care which as long as it's three-sided no four-sided figures please 
All right, Oreos or Chips Ahoy? Oh, Oreos. Oreos, easy. That's my go-to. Double stuff for sure. Yep. I don't know what happens. I, I buy a bag of double. This happened this weekend. I Because we were at like a, I don't know, not an Airbnb, but it was, it had a kitchen in it, whatever it was. But so I stopped at Publix and we got some groceries and they had the, the package of Oreo double stuff on sale. I was like, eh, I like those. So I got them. Right? Dangerous. So I had two kids with me. I had uh, Daniel and then I had a, a buddy of his both stay in the room. I took three cookies. I woke up the next morning. There was like a sleeve and a half gone. And I was like, I was like, hey, hey, what happened to the Oreos? And they all, of course, said, they all, of course, said we didn't need them. Yeah, of course. Down here, Chrissy. This is Chrissy Creasy. He, he went 9-0 and as a seventh grader at Battle of the Berg in high school division. Really, wow. really cool. He, I got him some Trader Joe's, what are they called? JoJo's. JoJo's. I say, hey, have two or three. The next morning. <laughs> he won't even look at <laughs> He won't even look at what happened to those Oreos. But, but the thing that they do know for sure is that I didn't need them. Because <laughs> need something like that, mm -mm. so so it was just me and Chrissy. So he had to he had to fess up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the scale was broken also, but we got burned that face too. Oh yeah, well, the two boys that I, say that anymore. The two boys I had with me, it was like Daniel. I didn't need it. I didn't need it. I didn't. Okay, well I only had three, so <laughs> I don't know where the rest went. Um, but yeah, they that's go fast. How, how Chrissy goes to bed and then wakes up the next day and weighed more before he learned how to cut weight better. How'd that happen? <laughs> Was that that Joker. fat? Did the fat be came in the night? The this, kid is a, this kid is a badass and a very good, very good at managing his weight now. But it's that's part of the process, right? So he knows. Uh -huh. Anytime you're missing something, Chrissy can tell you how it happened because he's he's come up with every excuse. Him and Carson Mandel. Come up with every oh, excuse possible. You keep you keep kicking ass, little buddy, and keep eating Oreos. Don't let that don't let that stop. They're really great. <laughs> you haven't They're met his mother. She she'd eat yeah. you. Take <laughs> two take two double stuffs and make them one. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last one. Half or cradle? Uh, oh, probably half. Might as well. Head thread. Yeah. Head thread then cradle. Well, if it's a three sided figure for a cradle, I'm down. Straight wrist. But otherwise, angle the elbow at forty-five degrees with the wrist at thirty-seven. Yeah, but actually, that is that's not an effective. That's not effective. It has to be free time. mathematically. Get, oh. you're, getting, you're getting her started. Just wait. And here's, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, Coach Ward. Like, I don't have any preconceived notions. So when I watch wrestling, I'm not going. Wow, that is you know, a, a famed person who deserves all the credit they got for winning whatever they want. I'm just looking at it going, if I was in engineering class, I would fail. And it, it, it has no, it's not meant, I don't mean anything toward anybody. I don't no, mean that's anything toward anybody. That's you look at the, it's like when I talk to a, when I talk to a ref and I say to a ref, oh man, did you see that wrestling match? And he's like, the problem is I don't look at the wrestling match like you look at the wrestling match because 
I'm a ref by trade. So when I'm looking, I'm looking, we're legs in, we're hands down, was this there, was that there? I'm not looking, oh, wow, that was a great throw. That was a good this, like us as fans, right? So I'm sure when you're looking, you're like, okay, well, that's not right. That might have worked, but it could work better this way. It could work better that way. It could work better this way. And, I remember uh, hearing from a man in Virginia who owns a facility here that he was, you know, skeptical when he met me or, you know, thought, I, I don't know, someone. So he called Mike Evans at Campbell because he knew Mike. And he said, hey, do you know, have you ever heard of this lady? And he's like, uh, yes. And the reason she's so good is she sees all this stuff that we never see. And Mike, when, when Drew Wessel did, I guess the US Open last year, the year before, um, he uh, he would say, he would ask me to get in the corner. And then he'd just say, you go and I'll yell over top. But you can hear in tons of matches at Drew's, the ones that Flo have, because last year he was featured, I don't know, maybe three times as, you know, dirty flow move of the event. You can hear, you can hear, I'm, I'm, you can hear me. Drew, put your throat on the mouth. Drew, pull, straighten out your right wrist. Drew, engage your transverse ab. And, and Mike could call out her going, go, whoa, go, you know? But that, you know, that's, that's the truth. So for me, that's you know, like I, I want wrestling to be taught in the way that's going to help more kids wrestle. Yeah, that's I had a and coach on. Be successful. Yeah, not, I had a coach I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not pro any anybody's team, and I'm not anti anybody's team. So when people get all emotional about the team and what's going down and all that stuff, I'm like, <laughs> I just want the kid to go to college, dude. You know, like I don't mean awesome. to. I don't mean not to get on your hate light you know, toward these people, but I don't care. Yeah, and that that's awesome. people a lot. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had a wrestling coach on and he's a wrestling coach down in Polk County. And he said, <laughs> he said, it's funny. My wife always says I can be a wrestling coach. And he's like, yeah, why? Because all you guys do is scream, wrestle, 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 wrestle. She's like, I can do that. Circle, 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 circle. She's like, I can do that too. You see, I can wrestle. <laughs> this this that battle of the berg we had tried to get Chrissy on as a free agent on teams but people you don't know him here so we're come over here so his first he's wrestling for warhawks red he's warhawks red and coach avery and coach porter or their jc porter and they're or potter is a potter oh they're very nice people first time we met him so Chrissy starts wrestling and i'm talking to him and they're all around me too because they don't know me and so Chrissy starts to do something and the coach and everybody else starts. I said, hey, shh, just a minute. Just give me a minute. And they're like, this is a team. And then Chrissy does what I say. And they go, we're out. We get it. <laughs> and then the rest of the time, they would come over and go, we just want to learn. Right? Because I, I'm not going to say anything. I don't need to say Russell. The thing I say to them is, you're not moving as fast as you think you are. And they go, oh, I need He's to rest. I know he's been through it. And that's exactly that what I heard you say. Too saying. many times. Yeah, when I was sitting in your corner that time, those are some of the words I, I heard you. Uh, he he was he was on your guy. I, I don't know who it was. You were Probably on that. It was on one of those mats, Enzo or Aiden. It was on, it had to be, yeah, it had to be Enzo or Steven because they both placed and they were on the, the back four the second day. So they had to place. Right. Um, and it was Enzo. 
Yeah, he got on the back and you were like, okay, flatten it, flatten it, flatten it. Well, I'm sure I didn't say that. I said, squeeze or, your triangle muscle, contract your calves. I would never yeah. say flatten because, okay. well, because I'm very specific. See, that's the difference. Like uh, if I say- to Chris, I do remember you say, I do remember you saying neck on the mat, neck on the mat. And then I remember you saying, okay, not, you didn't call it a half. You did- you Head said, thread, head thread. Cause we don't have. We and had then you, and then you were like push, 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 or something, and then push your elbow. Yeah, I he did. Now that you're talking about what Matt. Yeah, Matt. he did whatever you told him to do, and then it was a pin, and then you were like, "Good job," and you got up and left. <laughs> it was over. But man, this is awesome! I can't wait to. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, when I get off, it'll kind of process, and then once it's finished processing, I can add it to my Facebook. Uh, I'll set it up as a premiere so it'll go and people will get alerts. And um, and yeah, I just, I hope that Cal Poly and the NCAA just do the right thing by you. I mean, you're, you're not a kid that did anything wrong. I understand if you were a kid that punched someone in the face at a bar or, or raped a girl or got caught doing drugs or, you know, you don't deserve the extra, you know, kids make mistakes, but you have to pay for your mistakes and rightfully so. But you didn't make a mistake. You followed orders from adults that are supposed to be guiding you in the right direction and they failed you. And that's not fair. No, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you taking the time, helping me get my story out. And more than all, I appreciate you putting Carolyn on. I know she doesn't get the credit she deserves. So I love just kind of getting her. Uh, I appreciate your there. sweetness in this situation with Drew. You know, your ability to get right to what the real point is of this. And to, to not get involved in all the false bravado that goes with title that people have. I mean, I come from a family who, where my parents had very big titles at the national level in politics and in healthcare. And even though I could definitely say my dad was a little nefarious, I, I feel they're, they're deceased now, but my mama was a public servant. And I do not ever remember any time thinking Hey mom, that, that might be a little bit of abuse of your very huge power. And when I was growing up, Jimmy Carter, my dad was a national politician when Jimmy Carter was president. And I read a book of his and it said in over the schoolhouse on their plantation farm, it said, you enter to learn, you leave to serve. If you're a public servant and you're working with children and you're getting paid by the state, it comes from people's taxes. It is your job to do what's best in what you say. No two ways about it. You wanna be an entrepreneur, you wanna be a movie star, you wanna live a different life, do not claim and do not use other people's tax dollars in this manner. Yeah, it's, it's really bad and, um, and I don't like it and I hope that it gets fixed. We appreciate this. I mean, I appreciate it so much. I'd rather not talk about me at all <laughs> no, no, no. Yes. Oh. What, how great is it that I got to be at the GFC and I got to meet you? So, well, for um, us, you know, for us, as uh, we're only as good as the people we we get in our lives. So, you're another good one that I found in my life, and hopefully, uh, I know for a long time, and hopefully, I get to watch you, Drew, do some big things with your life, and and uh, whether whether they do the right thing or not. Uh, don't let this define who you are. No, definitely not. Just got to 
at the end of the day, I keep pushing forward. So I really appreciate it again. Uh, thank you so much. Thank For you. Sure. My pleasure. Hey, keep eating Oreos. <laughs> 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 the one's gonna come haunt you. <laughs> yeah. See you guys.